Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. Hey, tell some people around you that you love the show and that you personally want them to listen to this show. How's that? I think that's great advice. Yeah. I think that's wonderful advice. On the show today, David Beauclair, who's had many, many jobs, of course, covering the Tennessee Titans for, I guess, technically it's Sports Illustrated, but really it's himself. He'll explain that a little bit better on, of course, uh, with his website for SI.com on the show today. Uh, Before we do that, of course, we've got uh, all the other great shows out this week. I want to promote some of them real quickly here, Steve, because Club and Country had the Cooligans on, which is a fantastic a collection of comedians and, and, and that cover MLS, New York, obviously a huge match on Friday night for Nashville SC. So check out Club and Country, of course. Stephen Godfrey now on Fringe Element every single week with Aaron Dugan and myself covering SEC football. We have SEC football back, so make sure you're checking that show out every single Wednesday. And uh, Adam Vingan is now a new father, so if you listen to the Gold Standard, you will not hear Adam Vingan. You will hear John Glennon this week on the show, who told some awesome stories back in the day about the Nashville Predators pre Stanley Cup runs. So go check out all those shows on the Full 40 Sports Network as well. And of course, Steve Cavendish, Lamestream is brought to you by Jaspers. It's always brought to you by Jaspers. It's literally been brought to you by no one ever else other than Jaspers. From the beginning, the original sponsor. <laughs> the original and only sponsor. The original and only sponsor. <laughs> Jaspers. Listen, it is football season, folks. Okay. So you're going to go to a bar. And you're going to watch your favorite team. And in that process, you will probably consume a beverage and you will probably put some food into your face. And so why not, when you're doing that, have it be good food, good drinks, check, check. and a great place to watch a game. And not pay for parking. I mean, the the, the epidemic of paid parking ends <laughs> at Jasper's. The epidemic of bad bar food ends at Jasper's. And they have great drink specials. So go check out Jaspers when you're looking for a place to watch the game. Go to Jaspers. David Beauclair, Steve, a guy you've known for a very long time, is our guest today on the show covering the Tennessee Titans. And we're going to focus on access and what that does to content and to the fans experience about their favorite teams. David Beauclair is one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, He was my sports editor uh, at the City Paper uh, at the Nashville Post. He is a consummate professional. He can. He is a. He is an extremely good journalist. He his depth of knowledge about the Titans from covering them for twenty years plus is just is just amazing. He has the same sort of depth of knowledge about the Predators as well. It's he's just one of one of my favorite people, kind of in the sports landscape here in Nashville, uh, and just one of the nicest guys on the planet. I, I, I love him. Uh, and, uh, you know, tell us how he, you really feel, <laughs> but, but he has, has a, the, the kind of longitudinal longitudinal perspective that we want on the Titans right now, as some of these coverage issues are coming up yep. and this, and this access to the team, uh, is being restricted and kind of what that means for coverage of the, you know, what is the most popular sport in Nashville? He will cover all of those new rules. He will cover what that does to content, what that does to your experience as a fan, um, what you can and cannot learn about your team. He will cover all the big market forces at play when it comes to, um, you know, literally driving traffic, both digitally uh, and all that stuff. So he's got a ton of great insight. Uh, obviously, he'll explain his time um, filling in box scores 
in in Dallas in like the late 80s <laughs> when there was no internet. Um, stay stay for that story as well. So a lot of great stuff with David. We do appreciate his time. Uh, no more conversation from us, Steve. This is our conversation with David Beauclair of SportsIllustrated.com. David, good to see you, man. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. We, we do appreciate it. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Always happy to be here. So I, I want to kind of talk about the evolution of coverage of an NFL team and, and sort of where your job and sort of the difficulties of, of the current restrictions and, and how that's going to affect coverage. But I wanted you to maybe give us a bench line, a, a foundation starting point with when you got into the business you know, access to a team and how that affected coverage. Sort of tell everybody how that what that was like when you started your your job, and then we'll get to where where it's at today. You know, it feels like the wild wild west in a in a certain way. I started, uh, I guess, back in the mid '90s, back in Dallas, and uh, you know, back in those days, like even covering a pro team, you could you could hang out in the parking lot of the, uh, of the team facility, like in, and like grab a particular player walking into the building if, if you wanted and, and sort of, you know, get a little something either off the record or if you were in a hurry with something that, you know, of course the biggest thing was, was the introduction of the internet and whatnot, you know, in the, back in the day, you used to have uh, from a, from a print media perspective, you used to have all day to be able to work on a story. And as, as we see examples all the time nowadays, you know, a, a story can change from 10 a.m. to noon to 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. as, as more information comes out. And, uh, and you know, what you, what you have written in the morning can be completely different in the evening. That, you know, that wasn't the case back in the day. But, uh, you know, so with, with the access, you, you know, you had opportunity to, to get somebody on the phone and say, uh, say, hey, tell me, you know, tell me about this and then call back later in the day and say, no, tell me a little bit more about this because now I'm hearing this. And, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm talking about like, like the general managers, uh, you know, the, the you, you know, nobody had cell phones, but everybody had offices and you, you know, you were, you were really good friends with their secretaries and, uh, made sure to know their birthdays and, and send them flowers on their birthdays, whatnot, so that the, so that your messages got passed along and uh, there was a decent chance to get a call back. And, uh, and, you know, we, we just lost Floyd Reese here in town. Floyd Reese, Floyd Reese returned every phone call I think I ever made to him. I mean, and, uh, and, and trying to get to, to John Robinson with the Titans, for example, nowadays is, is much, much more difficult. He is, uh, he is really reticent about doing any more with the media than he absolutely has to. Well, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's a psychological shift, right? That, yeah. that, that the, these teams and college is even worse, but the NFL and, and especially football, and I don't know how it is in other sports, but, they're they're just so paranoid about everything and we 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 want a coach and we want a gm and we want players to be honest and then sometimes the media overreacts and kind of jumps on things when they're honest so that's partly our fault but i think there's a psychological shift that's taken place not just a technological shift right well yeah and there, there's two things there's two things at work there one is every team every college everybody has become so good and so well versed in branding and you know this is this is what our brand is this is what our message needs to be and and everybody needs to be 
on message at, at all points. You know, it it it, it used to be it, it used to be like the the business office side of the people were were sort of you know if you were going to get the the talking points that's where you were going to get them. Well, now you know the the GMs are are on message, the coaches are on message. You 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 know you're fighting that, and and as a part of that, teams have uh, teams have made it difficult or more difficult for anybody to get off of message. You know, they, they want, they want players talking to only groups of media where, uh, where there's a, there's a sense that it's not so much a conversation. It's just, you know, you're, you're, you're more, you're more inclined to, to stick to message. And probably a lot of players are told particularly before big news, like, look, this is, this is what they're going to be asking you. This is, this is how you need to answer that when, uh, you know, when, when you, when you have one-on-one conversations with an athlete, it's the, the, the nature of the talk is completely different. And, uh, and you, 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 you learn a lot more about things. They're, they're much more relaxed. The, the, the perfect example of that is Derek Henry. You know, Derek Henry has never really wanted to do a lot of one-on-one, but if you talk to Derek Henry, he is, he is funny and fascinating and, and a really interesting guy and uh boy you put you put a couple cameras in front of him and whatnot and it's and it's like he he studied a class at alabama in <laughs> in how to in how to not say anything and and he, how he not to be interesting or controversial at all every single one of those alabama guys are like that i mean yeah. it's, like, it's because they did a class on that yeah. like you, you're actually yeah. right <laughs> I, I I don't I don't doubt that for a second, and uh, you know, and and he, and it's not that they're confrontational either. It's it's just that you know this is they're taught don't you know don't say anything particularly compelling or interesting or or that's going to get people uh, that, that's going to get people you know run into their Twitter accounts right away. And 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 to your other point, you know, there are more outlets now it 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 it, it in, in a way it's almost a throwback like you think back to to new york in the days of babe ruth right when there were 27 newspapers or whatever the number was that that staffed the new york yankees and uh, you, you know that that's sort of how that's how the the tabloid newspaper came about and, and the the legendary headlines that we all think about because you know you had to do something to to get yourself noticed so there you know there's a lot of people trying to give a hot take every day about this that or the other thing and, it, and it's and it's younger people particularly too trying to trying to make a name for themselves or create their own personal brand you know when i started back in the in the mid 90s if you were if you were working for a professional sports team, if you were a coach or a GM or whatever, and and a reporter started covering your team, there was a certain expectation that you know this person had been around a while, had paid some dues, had uh, had sort of worked their way up the ladder, and, and understood how things worked in a, in a certain way, and and were gonna you know gonna stay within the lanes of of accepted media team relationships if you will and uh and and the 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 trust factor that that was sort of built into the relationship certainly doesn't exist anymore because you can you know you can you can have a uh, you can have an online news presence covering a professional team if you're in high school right now if you want and uh and if you do it right you can you can get your name out there and 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 create a create real opportunities for yourself so the the titans have announced a series of uh, of changes to kind of how the team is going to be covered this year, or at least how you're going to be able to have access to them this year. 
walk us through kind of kind of what those changes are and and what do you think the impact's going to be? Well, it you know it's it's a it's a little better than it was last year in that uh, you know everything was done over Zoom. So you you know and and I, I give the Titans credit. I they based on my conversations with other reporters around the league, Titans gave us more people more often than than pretty much any other team. But uh, you know it was all. It was all, hey, we're going to do this guy on a Zoom, followed by this guy, followed by this guy. Everybody's got all the same conversations, all the same quotes, and and you know it was up to you to figure out what to do with it. This year, uh, they're doing they're do they've done it a little more like uh, like a soccer team, where during the week you have a, a a mixed zone, for lack of a better term, where there could be two or three players talking at a time where we're separated by, by fencing, you know, to keep the, the dirty, filthy media and their COVID away from the, uh, <laughs> from the athletes. But, um, you know, at least that way you can, you can sort of, you, you can sort of get a little something that, that maybe not everybody else is getting in addition to the head coach or the coordinators at a podium and, and one big name player at a podium every day. Now post game is going to be different uh, based on what we've seen in the one preseason game, it's uh, it's the head coach and it's four or five players at the podium and uh, and that's it. And, and then team employees can get in the locker room and they'll uh, they'll round up a few other quotes that'll be distributed on quote sheets. But uh, but basically the the post game stuff this year will be uh, will be basically live zooms, if you will. I mean, it's just everybody in one spot getting all the same things at the same time. And, uh, that, that, you know, it, it, it's frustrating because you feel like you can't tell the story that you need to, or particularly want to tell, you know, particularly if, uh, if, if, you saw if you're focused on a, a guy that maybe it wasn't the the play that everybody in the stands noticed, but but you want to point out, hey, this was really important because and if that guy doesn't if that guy doesn't show up at the put, if they don't bring him in, you know, you don't even get to ask one or two questions of him, let alone, you know, explore whatever whatever line of questioning you want to you want to go down. So it's uh, it, it, it really it really waters down the coverage in a way that you uh, that I, I think hurts fans. And I, I think probably really pleases the team. Can, can you maybe explain what access in the locker? Cause we had Darren Bates on the show a couple of months ago and he was like, the best part of the entire 2020 was that you guys couldn't come into the locker room. So I, I, we, we, we understand the players and sort of their sanctity. And there is, there is a weird element to is, is walking around in a, a, a changing room. I mean, let's just be honest. It's, yeah. It's, it's a bathroom. So even that being like, you know, the place where all the work used to get done, is even a little odd in and of itself, but kind of explain what you would do after a game. If you were trying to explore one of those other storylines, sort of tell people what that would look like after, after a game. Well, you, you know, you, you have a particular player in mind, say for example, a couple of years ago, a, a Jarrell Casey, who, who may be, you know, blew up a guy on third down and, and the play sort of changed the game. And, and, and you noticed that from, you know, every, every third down after that, Jarrell Casey got double teamed or for, or whatever. So, you know, I'd go after listening to the head coach talk, you go into the locker room and, and, you know, Jarrell for, I, I used him as an example, cause he's a guy who would typically attract a crowd. Right. So, you know, people would get around him, talk to him about whatever. And then as soon as the crowd sort of broke up, 
I would I would sort of slide in and say, hey, Jarrell, you got another minute. I want to ask you about this. And, and you know, ideally you get four or five questions along that one topic with him where you can, you know, you can explore it deeply, get a, get a whole sense of sort of what happened, what his experience was like in the game, how how he saw it, uh, you know, affecting things for for himself and for his teammates, and then you you, you go and you can ask some uh, you can ask some other store, you know, some other players various questions about that. In, in addition to to touching on the other you know obvious moments from the game and and you know just trying to, but 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 I but I always I always liked. Uh, and it and it and even before 2020, it, it had gotten to be much harder to do this. But I always liked that sort of wherever the crowd was, I was going to be somewhere else. And I, you know, because if if everybody else is talking about it, that's great. And if it's obvious enough, I, you know, I, I'm not going to miss anything there. I, I I wanted to find I wanted to find somebody to tell me something interesting, something, something maybe that I didn't see, something that, that maybe not everybody else is talking about that should be talked, that we should be talking about. And, and really the only way, the, the only way or the, the best way to do that is, is to have that, like I said earlier, the one-on-one conversation where it's more relaxed and it's, uh, and, it, and it's almost like a, hey, help me, help me understand this thing rather than, hey, tell me something, it, it, you know, which is, which is the way I think the group the, the group dynamic feels sometime where it's, it's, it's almost like they feel like they're, uh, they're, you know, on demand, like here, just say something, say, you know, and, uh, and I, I was, I've always been better at, at, Hey, let's, let, let's have a conversation here. And then, you know, typically you would, you would come out of the locker room a, a lot. And a lot of times you come out of the locker room with something, you know, Hey, I hadn't thought of that, but this is now the way I'm going to go because this guy explained it in a way that, that, I think it's really interesting and people need to hear. Hey, hey, Taylor Lewan, be viral. Go. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, Taylor's one, he likes that. He, you know, he's, right, he's right. very comfortable right. in, uh, in, in trying to, in, in trying, you know, he can be entertaining and interesting, I guess, without, without having to try too hard, but, uh, but, but some guy like you can really see in the, in the, the other side of it's really funny is if you're talking to a guy, kind of just the two of you, and a couple other people see you and and they're thinking, oh, this guy's talking now. And and you can you can literally see a guy's body language change when seven other reporters, including four TV cameras, all of a sudden come around and the lights are on. I mean, you, you know, I mean, literally the whole the whole dynamic changes in a way that's uh, that, that that's fascinating. I mean, you don't you don't have to be a body language expert to really understand it. And, you you you, you know, if if I'm the guy who was having that one on one conversation and I don't you know, I mean, I've done that to other people, too, where I say, oh, this, you know, this guy's talking. I need to go get in on that now. But you can I mean, you, you can you can literally you just know that okay well you know that that moment has passed and now we're in uh we're in sort of a press conference mode do does the team understand that or has anybody well let me ask it this way sorry for the edit <laughs> i'm leaving does, it does, in. <laughs> does the team understand that they're going to get less original reporting uh around around the team and that there is less for fans to be interested in about individual players. And, and has anybody said that to the team? 
Yeah, they do know that, and and I have actually had uh, I've had con- I've had that very conversation a couple times with PR staff, and 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 this is not it, it you know it's important I guess to point out this is not a team decision. This is this is all coming down from the league and from the the players association. The, these kinds of things are uh, uh, this is this is a this is a unilateral policy right now. It's not uh, as it. it it's you know the, these it the the age of COVID and, and all this has uh, has you know unified that those parties in a way that they're they're not typically unified and uh, and and a lot of these you know a lot of these things it's it's not it's not up to the team they're they're told what to do and and you know I'm not I, personally I'm not sure that uh, that this is the end of it you know we're we're a little over a week from the uh, from the start of the regular season right now and uh, and, and given given kind of what we've seen with the Titans and, and a few other teams in the last week or so it it would not surprise me at all if we we get an edict that says you know what with the regular season coming zoom worked really well last year let's just let's just do that again this year I'm, I'm hoping hoping that doesn't happen because uh, because it, it, it there is there is such a sterility to it at least at least the way it is right now you know you're you you're in person with the with the players and coaches you are interacting organically to a certain degree you can you can laugh and joke a little bit and uh, uh, you know you can you you can see them and and read them in a way that you can't as well on zoom but uh, but yeah I'm, I'm not sure that that everything that's been that's been set out for this year right now is actually set in stone so how do you approach the season then and how do you find original stories that you can tell to your readers and that and that that you can kind of break out of this sort of pack mentality you become uh you become less reliant on the quote um you know a a lot of times uh we're, we're sort of guilty of i have this story and i just need this guy to say x and uh and you almost you almost go to a guy, and I actually know reporters who do this. Who will go to a uh, who will go to an athlete and say, "Hey, I need you to say this for a story. Can you? Can you? Will you?" And and guys will say, "Yeah, you know, they'll, they'll do that." I, what what I had what I started to do last year, and and what I intend to do more of this year, is I'll just write the story basically, and then do the interviews, and if there's if if there's a quote that is loosely related to the story or, or usable within the story, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and plug it in. Um, a lot of times I won't even ask the question because I don't want to tip off to other people what it is I'm working on. I just assume something will come up that that's usable that I can that I can sort of set up with a, an extra sentence or a paragraph or whatever, or, or explain, you know, following the quote and, uh, and transition that way. But, uh, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think it's more, you know, it, it, it's become more of that for me where I just, uh, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write the story that I'm gonna write. And, uh, if uh, if I if I have quotes in there, great. If not, then uh, I, I can live without them. 
Yeah, I think uh, David Ubbin talked about this uh, last week on the show, like especially in college where you have even less access. Yeah. You, you know, you're going to write a story about subject X, but you're going to go get quotes from like the 14 people around the story that aren't really actually a part of the, I mean, they're they're adjacent to the story and it's sort of how he goes about doing it. Um, do, do you think reporters, like, do you think this is permanent? Do you think reporters will ever be allowed back in NFL locker rooms? Because the NFL is different. We'll get to the other sports in a second because I want to ask a follow-up, but I do you think you guys will ever be allowed, like, will we ever be allowed back in the locker room after a game? I've gone back and forth on that, but I, I, I think, I think, no, I, I think, uh, I, I think we're going to, we're going to have some sort of, you know, the, the Super Bowl they have, uh, they have these mini podiums set up all out in the concourse area and whatnot. And uh, you, you, you kind of have, you, you, you end up talking to a lot of players after the game. And I, and I think it'll be a, uh, I think it'll be a, a situation sort of like that where, you know, they'll, they'll walk guys out after the game and, Hey, if, uh, if anybody wants to talk to this guy, he's coming through now. And if nobody says yes, you know, the guy might run off to his car right away. But, uh, I think, uh, I, I think there's, uh, I think there's going to be a, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me to hear Darren Bates said what he said. I, I would assume the, the overwhelming number of players in the locker room would, would say the same thing. And, uh, you know, here with the Titans, Mike Vrabel has been, you know, he, he has talked about the, the sanctity of the locker room from, I think, pretty much day one, his first press conference that, you know, he, he made it known he was going to, he was going to do everything he could to, to limit our time in, in the locker room, in the team facility and at the stadium. So uh, I think, uh, I, I think the league is definitely going to use this as an opportunity to say, well, we know what's been done forever, but forever is gone now. They, these are new times and this is how it's going to work going forward. Do you think Vrabel really believes about the, the sanctity of the locker room or is this a, is this a control issue? I, I do. I, it, it's a, it's a little bit of both. Uh, um, you know, he, he made the mistake early on that a lot of first time head coaches make, which was that, you know, now I'm in control. I control everything. And, you know, like he thought he was in control of the media and he thought he was in control of, you know, how the janitors do their jobs, I would think, and, and, and everything. And, and he, he, he learned pretty quickly that they're, you know, where we're sort of to focus his controlling energies, if you will. But I, I, I remember actually asking him, I don't know if it was his first press conference, but it was uh, it, it was early that first year in 2018. I, I asked him how he would, you know, how much time he planned to spend in the locker room, whether, you know, whether he was going to be a guy who was going to be going in there sort of having, you know, fun conversations with his players and, and that sort of thing. Or if, uh, and, and he told me, he planned to not be in the locker room at all, that it was, you know, that that was the player's space and and he had his office and uh, players would know where his office was and his door was open. So it, it wouldn't be hard for them to have conversations, but, uh, but he was, he was not going to be going in there and walking through and seeing who he could, uh, he, who he could razz on a particular day. So I, I think he really does believe that. Lamestream Sports, Steve Cavendish, is brought to you by Jasper. Okay, I like that one. That was solid. 
I'll give you a little, B, little, B, little Matterhorn there. B plus on that one. Solid. Solid. Where were I you? This I, week? Out, I don't think I blew out the mic on that one. So. No, you did. It, well, it went out for a second, but you're good. Go, go to Jasper's, of course. Next evolution of the sports bar. Where, where were you this week, Steve? I was in Cleveland, Ohio. Was was up there to see my parent. It was uh, quite a good visit. Good to see mom. Ate a couple of home cooked meals. Always good to get. Uh, always good to get mom's cooking. Had an occasion to stick my head in a sports bar while I was up there. Oh no! I have to tell you, the only <laughs> way I can describe it is unevolved. <laughs> the parking situation was a mess. Oh, gross! The the, the food was not good. There were no there there were no drink specials to be seen that I that appealed to me. That seems very un Ohio though. I feel like Ohio has should have lots of good drink specials. I, you know maybe there were the maybe, maybe I was just in the wrong place. You know maybe I'm painting all of Northeast Ohio with too broad of a brush here based <laughs> on this one experience. No, I but, think you I think you can paint Northeast Ohio. But I have to say I was happy to get back to Nashville because here in Nashville the sports bar has evolved. And Jasper's is the sports bar, of course, we're referring to. We probably should mention the name of, of the place you should go eat. Um, and that is because they don't take all of the things you just mentioned, all the complaints you just have, and all the complaints that most people have about going out to watch their favorite team in Nashville, which is where am I going to park my freaking car? I'm worried about getting quality food. I'm worried about drinks being way overpriced. I might be worried about falling off a recreational vehicle downtown. That, also things that you might be worried about. You just avoid all of those things. Don't go downtown. Don't, don't avoid all those things and just go to Jasper's where you can park for free, where Deb Paquette has put together a fantastic menu where the drink specials are outstanding and actually special instead of like stupid. Uh, so go to Jasper's and, and watch your favorite football team, because guess what? We've got like 14 or 15 or 18 straight weeks of football every single Saturday and Sunday from here on out. It's back. It's back. People, it's football season. It's these are important things to know. Where are you going to spend your time? Where are you going to spend your hard-earned dollars? How are you going to enjoy football? How are you going to enjoy the game day experience? Jaspers, we would submit to you one of the best places to do that. If if not the best place to do that. Jaspers, go watch your favorite team at Jaspers. It's not more complicated than that. It's just not. It's not more difficult. Go to Jaspers. Okay? Thanks. Go to Jasper's. You, you know, the aperture on the access is obviously closing uh, significantly, but in the NFL, you know, there's some really great story. I mean, Jim, Jim Wyatt, Amy Wells, Mike Keith, Dave McGinnis, like they've got some really good storytellers that, that obviously that information is sort of controlled to us to a sense, right? It's going to always be sort of massaged and controlled and, you know, messaged like you talked about. And that aperture is closing in the NFL. I don't think the NFL will be hurt as much by this, even though we we see it as, hey, we're not telling interesting stories. The NFL is so big and so powerful, it, it can it can overcome this kind of thing. What I don't understand is is that closing that aperture in other sports where the Preds need to continue to tell good stories to their fans. Nashville SC needs to show and build a brand with connecting with people. Vanderbilt needs to show that it can build a brand. I. I I, I understand the NFL doing it. I don't understand the other teams that don't have the same sort of power and equity in the media that the NFL has. I, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't understand why they do that. Yeah. I, I, 
I mean, I don't either. Like to your point, a, a, a particularly a school like Vanderbilt, and, and I, you know, I have some experience covering Vanderbilt athletes too. They and they have amazingly interesting stories. You know, these are young people doing doing research work and and doing community service projects and things that you know that things that you and I would would you know you, you can't even get your minds around them and they are uh, uh, you know I, Vanderbilt should Vanderbilt should be in particular should be seeking outlets to 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 tell as many of these stories or have as many of these stories told as possible but but you know a part of that too is uh, Every, you know, every, every all there's so much real time data right now too in terms of in, in terms of what's getting read. You know, it, it's not a question of well, you've got you've got today's sports section in front of you. If you if you want to read about sports, you're going to read what's there in front of you, right? We all have Google Analytics. We all know what's being read and what's not. And uh, and the idea is to is to get page views, right? And and the the fact of the matter is that. Uh, a story about uh, about this Vanderbilt cross country runner who who is doing great things does not get the page views that the uh, the backup offense you know the story about the backup offensive lineman popping off saying I'm better than everybody in front of me I don't know why they don't play me you know like that's that's the thing and 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 the nature you know what I have found the nature of of sort of what gets read, what, you know, what attracts eyeballs is, and, and I, I think this, I think this has to do, I don't know, but I think it has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, everybody broadcasts, you know, either streams live or, or posts shortly thereafter their, their press conferences, right? It, it's almost like it, people are just interested now in what was said, by the, uh, they're, they're much more interested in, in sort of what, what was said by the athletes and the coaches rather than the, uh, the, the media telling you, hey, this is, this is an interesting story or, or hey, this is, uh, this is a trend you need to be aware of. It's, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes those things take off and really get rolling, but it, it, it's, I find it's more the, you know, back to Taylor Lewan. Taylor Lewan talked today. Here, here's what he said that was that was really funny or really interesting. People, people want to read that kind of stuff. People want to, you know, people want to kind of know the the nuts and bolts. There's there's a lot of interest in, uh, you know, this guy is now the backup tight end in, instead of that guy. Though, you know, that that'll get read much more so than the uh, the starting safety is doing a. Uh, is doing a wonderful thing in the community to to help raise funds for the homeless or something like that. It's just, uh, uh, you know, that you, you just see that time and time again. And, uh, and, and you, you know, I, I know I do it. I'm sure we all do it. You, you start to go, okay, well, if, if people aren't likely to read this story, I'm not going to waste my time doing that. I'm going to write the, I'm going to put my energy toward the thing that's going to get eyeballs and page views. And that's, uh, and that's, you know, so that I think, I think teams are aware of that too. And, and they're, they're sort of saying, look, we're, we're going to serve up people that'll say something and, and you do with it what you will. And that's, that's going to satisfy your needs. This is how you end up this is how you end up having to listen to everybody's podcasts and read everybody's social media, because that's what you're, that, that's what is, 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 is driving some of these eyeball things. I mean, like for instance, uh, 
you you had to you've had to spend a fair amount of time listening to Taylor Lewan's podcast here over the last yeah. over the last two years in case news gets broken. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And make make sure you got AJ Brown's Instagram notifications on your phone. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. that, that, yeah, that that's exactly right. I mean, it's uh, you know, and those are, those are the sorts of things. And and you know, one, one thing that that uh, the folks I work with now talk about that I you know I'm I'm coming to believe more and more is that uh, you know I need to I need to minimize my Twitter activity, which is to say don't give away news on Twitter, right? Like it, if I, if I just put out a tweet that says, here is, uh, here is today, here are the today's it Titans injury report. These are the, these are the players who didn't practice. And these are the players who did half practice. If I just tweet that out, that's good for Twitter's business, right? That does nothing for me. But if I take 10 minutes and I write up an injury report story with a with a you know a couple graphs on top that say for the third straight day, AJ Brown didn't work out, he's questionable, blah, blah, blah. Put it up, put it out on Twitter with a link to my story. Now I'm getting I'm getting page views, I'm getting eyeballs. And believe it or not, even 10 minutes behind the rest of the crowd on something like that, I find to be really successful. It's not like people look at that and go old news. It's almost like people don't want to, don't want to have to read the, the, the tweet or if they didn't see it now that, you know, if they didn't see it as soon as it came out, you know, they, they will go click on it. So I've uh, you know, I, I have worked a lot harder in the last year or so to sort of make Twitter work for me, as opposed to me just, working for Twitter and putting stuff out there to make sure that, that, that they're still getting, you know, all kinds of users and, and, you know, however it is that Twitter goes ahead and makes its money then. David, we've talked about this uh, because you had a, a series of interns working for you here over the last year. To, and, and part of that is, and, and because I, I know you, uh, you enjoy kind of helping somebody get their start. Uh, you were an SMU kid, just out of uh, just out of school, uh, and you ended up as a clerk uh, at one of the biggest news organizations, biggest sports news organizations in in the country. Tell po- folks a little bit about that, and because that job does not exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was. Uh, yeah, I started out even when I even during my senior year in college, I started as a as an agit clerk. It was the, at the Dallas Times Herald at a time when the Dallas Times Herald and the Dallas Morning News were were waging one of the uh, the great newspaper wars in the country and uh, and the sports section was was one of the was one of the main fronts it was really exciting but yeah my job i mean literally i typed in box scores and and golf results and track meet results and and i and i physically updated standings on a day-to-day basis by you know updating one team's number in the win column and another team's number in the loss column and uh, and, and you know taking taking results over the phones i, I mean uh, and and that was like i said that was in dallas and there there is and there was nothing- there was a there was a certain art to getting a coach to tell you all of the information that you needed well, then, in order to was, get that box score, I, I was going to say there was there was nothing like 
uh, a high school football Friday night in that uh, in that newsroom because the uh, the number of phone calls that came in over a period of about ninety minutes or so and uh, and yeah how quickly you had to get the information but but also get enough to know that you could you know you could write two or three sentences to put on top of it and and everything had to be formatted correctly and it all had to be gathered and and put into uh, put into a file so it could you know. It could fill a page or two pages of the uh, the Saturday morning sports section, whatever it was. It was uh, it, it was a uh, it was an unreal experience the, the the first few times I did. But I, I'll never forget. I've been doing that job for about two years, and I was working one afternoon, and uh, and I was I was typing in some golf results or whatever it was, and there were there were several veteran reporters seated nearby and I, and it was I, I was having a bad day I was in a bad mood about it and I was sort of just muttering to myself and cursing a little bit and uh, and one of the guys Mark Martin McNeil who had, who had covered the NBA for a long time I think he still does last I knew he was covering the NBA in Sacramento but uh, Marty McNeil walks over to me he's like what are you doing over here I said I said I'm typing in these stupid golf results I'm like this is not what I want to do in this business I want to be a writer I don't I, you know this is this is nonsense this I'm tired of doing this crap and da 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 and he just looks at me he goes do you think you're doing anything that any of the rest of us didn't do at some point and I, and I looked at him, I'm like, but you're Marty McNeil, you cover the NBA. And he's like, yes, and I did this same crap you did in order to get to covering the NBA. Now shut up and do your job. And I was like, <laughs> yes, sir. I mean, it was a uh, it was a beautiful lesson, you know, to, to, to understand sort of, you know, to use a... Uh, a, a phrase from the from modern times now, you know, to sort of understand the process, right? And you just sort of you sort of have to work the steps to get there, and uh, and uh, and and I guess I, I did eventually at some point. It's it's good to know that young people uh, doing shit jobs still sound the same. Like today, yeah. <laughs> that, today that's how they sound. Also, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. That's right. It's uh, but but you know you you don't the, I I don't know what the equivalent of of that. You know, I haven't been in a newspaper newsroom, uh, you know, or daily newspaper newsroom. I guess in in I don't know how long now. I, I I don't know what the what the current equivalent of that is because I know you know you you don't have to you know, you don't have to update standings for sure though. You know, those things just come across the wire and you plug them in and go. So you ended up, uh, you, you ended up coming from Texas to Tennessee to cover, uh, I believe you went to Murfreesboro first, uh, as sort of, as sort of an all purpose sports writer, uh, for the, for the daily news journal. Well, I, I came to came to Tennessee because because uh, my wife got a job and I spent uh, I spent two years freelancing. I was uh, I did I did like daily Titan stuff for uh, for USA Today. I did a lot of work for the Commercial Appeal in Memphis. I I did uh, did some Country Weekly magazine stuff, which was uh, which was interesting to uh, to sort of see how. Uh, the entertainment industry is covered as opposed to the the sports industry. But then uh, in '98, when uh, when the Predators came into being, I was hired in uh, in Murfreesboro to be the pro sports writer. So I covered the uh, the Titans and Predators both on a uh, a daily basis for about probably for about seven years, seven or eight years, I guess, for down there. 
and then uh, you you eventually came to the city paper uh, as their as their sports editor uh, and the National Post uh, for a number for a number of years. Uh, and kind of made this transition into into sort of digital, where now you're working for. I'm going to get this wrong. You're right. You're working for uh, it's a division of Sports Illustrated, but it's uh, it's branded as All Titans. Uh, well, I actually, I'm a uh, I am an I am an internet entrepreneur. Is uh, I, I I actually own the website um, that uh, All Titans at si.com. It's uh, it's it's under the umbrella of a company called the Maven and the Maven bought the, or, or leased, I guess for it, I think it's a 10 year deal, the digital rights to SI.com. Basically the, the Maven is a, is a tech company made up of a bunch of people who have made money in internet businesses over the years. They got together, they're doing their, they're doing their own thing. And, uh, uh, the way I kind of describe it is, is they're sort of, they're sort of trying to be Yahoo, but rather than have everything be Yahoo, they, they just acquired a bunch of established brands. They, they did it with SI.com. They did it with uh, uh, the, the Jim Cramer's The Street. They, uh, they, they did uh, Maxim Online, uh, uh, the History Channel and, and a, uh, and, and its affiliated sites and whatnot. And they sort of, they sort of put them all together under this, this one umbrella. And, uh, but, but as I say, I, I, I sort of own the website that the thing that the thing, the thing that's nice about it. And when we were, we were going through the process and they were, they were sort of recruiting me, I said, well, you know, I said, I have some, I have some concerns, but I'm not even sure I know exactly what I'm concerned about. And the guy, the guy told me, he said, I, I hear you. He said, I think I know what you're saying. He said, let me tell you this. He said, when you start an internet business, he said, there's several factors that, uh, that, that are sort of prohibitive to success in terms of the cost and the time commitment and things like that. He said, number one is actually creating the platform, you know, having, you know, what, what does the website look like? How does it function? Whatever. Number two is, is ad sales, particularly national ad sales and, and whatnot. And he rattled off these four or five things. And he's like, we do all that for you. He said, all you have to do is show up and write, you know, you do what you do and you'll be, uh, you'll be successful. So that's, uh, that's how the thing operates. And then uh, over the two years that I've been doing this, it, it's evolved to, it's evolved a little bit to where Sports Illustrated has actually hired somebody to sort of oversee all of us and, and the Maven folks sort of took a step back in terms of monitoring. So I, I sort of, so I, I, I work for myself. I'm under the Maven umbrella and I have editorial direction from SI.com, if you will. That's, that's kind of how that all works. So not complicated at all. Not at all. <laughs> no. One thing I want to ask you about particularly, and, and you, you alluded to this uh, in sort of like, we we're talking about the cross country story that doesn't get written uh, on the prep uh, scene anymore. Uh, the 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 business side of uh, of digital sports is very metrics driven. You yeah. know, for instance, what stories are going to pop, and what stories may not pop. Do you think that Do you think that's good for consumers that that we are that we are only like the the that the digital model only reinforces what current consumer behavior is, and not necessarily. And that doesn't necessarily provide the uh, the the choice 
or, or the originality that, that, that might be more, more nourishing to, to a yeah, no, fan. No, no, I don't. And, and, you know, Steve, you, you, you probably, you probably heard this when, when you were coming up too. I mean, I'm a little older than you, but I'm sure it was, you know, the, the notion, the notion, in fact, it was discussed often in, in newsrooms. It was, well, sometimes we tell people what they want to know. Sometimes we tell people what they need to know. And, uh, and you know, the, I, I, it was a pretty fair balance, I think, was, was what most people tried to achieve back in the day. And, and now it's the, the needle is, is far from center on that to where it's, you know, we're going to give them, we're going to give them what they want to know. And there was, you know, I think we probably, if you're, if you're old enough, we probably all had this experience. Like I said, you know, you picked up that day's sports section and, you know, that's what you had to read. Right. And, and how many times, did you did you see a story and you're like I don't really want to read about that but uh, I'm sitting here waiting for a sandwich or or whatever you're doing well okay you start reading and you get to the end of the story and you're like man that was a really good story I'm glad I read that right now you're you're not going to read that story you're going you know you're going cuz you're going to be on your phone if you're not there you're going to scroll down find something else or if it's you know you don't see anything there fine you're going to open another app and 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 check to see what you want to read there so uh I you know no I I don't I don't think it's good at all I don't think it's good for for people on my side of the business, I don't think it, uh, particularly, you know, the younger people coming up today, it doesn't encourage you to, to pursue more interesting, more compelling, maybe harder to find, harder to develop stories uh, when you, when you, when you sort of know, well, if I just do this, you know, it's, it's, this is going to get read and, and I'm going to satisfy my, you know, whatever is required of me in terms of my page views for the day. Yep. It certainly I, doesn't incentivize investigative or a kind of accountability type of stories as well. All I need to do is post a video of Julio Jones walking for five seconds yeah. and, I'm go- and I'm good for the day. Yeah. I, I mean, in, in investigative and investigative pieces, here's the problem too. A, a, an investigative piece has to be a couple thousand words, right? I mean, we all are well aware there is plenty of data to show that people don't want to scroll past the bottom line of whatever's on their screen, you know, and, and, and if they have to do it more than once or twice, they are, they are not inclined to, to go all the way to the bottom of a 3,500 word story. I mean, you, it, it better be really well written and you better, you know, you better have people locked in right from the start. You know, you can't sort of, you can't sort of build your case throughout to this big crescendo. I mean, you have to, you have to lock them in and, and, and hang on to them for dear life all the way through. And, and that's that's hard to do nowadays. Yeah, Yahoo doesn't even load the page. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. You, have, you have to load it yourself if you want to go read. Um, which I'm assuming is like saving them on bandwidth or something on the back end. Who knows? Oh, um, and it, it, pro- it probably affects the you know their bounce rate numbers right, right, exactly, too. That, you know exactly. So I guess one of my ending this conversation here. I, I do you believe that there is there's a lot of forces here we're talking about right which is consumer sort of ADD and and what they want to hear I am blown away every time I see Titans fans push back on any reporter that happens to say something critical about a player saying oh you're not a fan of the team and I I, we all know who the reporters are in this situation and I'm just like it doesn't matter who they are it's just insane that these fans can't handle anything outside of their little safe space so that's a force at play 
Then there's the team kind of trying to control as much access as possible, which is another force at play. Then there's our responsibility, which some of us are very guilty of doing, like you talked about. We, we, all we want is the clicks. All we want is the page views, the hot take, you know, whatever, because that's what's successful. Is there a tipping point on any of these forces that, that ends up pushing back? And I don't want to call it like the analog pushback, but is, is there a tipping point on any of these forces that actually, you know, I, I know that there's some good companies out there doing good paid journalism, but I, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like that there holistically will be a pushback or a tipping point on any of this stuff? I, 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 I guess maybe a little bit, but not much, you, you know, there's a, you know, like I think, I think the athletic is, is sort of a, an interesting an interesting case study because of, of what they tried. But, you know, I, I'm seeing the athletic now sort of go more to the, hey, here's the news of the moment, you know, and, and not so much, you know, whereas a year ago, even it was, we don't care about being right on top of it, the instant it comes out, we want to have the deep dive, you know, that that really, that fleshes out the whole story all at once. And, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I think I think you're going to see I think you're going to see the athletic continue to change and, and get more in line with uh, with what everybody else is doing. I mean, ultimately, what's what's going to happen is, uh, you know, I guess a certain amount of Darwinism. Right. It's going to be only only the strong survive. And, and uh, you know, I, I mentioned New York in the in the 20s right eventually you, you get down to two or three newspapers that that survive and are covering it and i think i think it's the same sort of thing in in the current landscape eventually uh, eventually there there will be limited number of options and and that might that might allow outlets then to sort of sort of stop fighting the 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 fight for the the clicks right now and 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 sort of develop more uh develop more meaningful content on a, on a regular basis or a, a much more consistent basis but uh um you know all you all you can do is uh you know you, you got to play by the rules i guess as they exist and uh you know that's that's kind of what i've learned in the in the last few years and that's what i've been trying to do so uh you know, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just see how it, see how it plays out, but it's, you know, it, I, I think back to 10 years ago, I knew the business was going to change dramatically. I, I certainly didn't forecast where we are now. So I, I, I probably, I'm probably not the guy to ask what it's going to look like 10 years from now either. <laughs> well, um, you're, you're on a podcast on a network that might also be a case study in, yeah. <laughs> in whether yeah. or not, whether or not it works to, uh, to tell longer stories and dive deeper into subjects and have conversations with people. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens over the next couple of years. So Dave, that's, thank that's you. right. Thank, thank you so much, man. Uh, it's a, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I hope, I hope we get back in the locker room to tell good stories sometime. I'm not uh, hopeful about that, but thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it and, uh, enjoy the, Enjoy the season this year, my friend. I, I will do it. It should be uh, it should be a, an entertaining one. It, I, I can't think of the last time, if ever, the Titans have had this degree of star power that they've had. So you know that 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 alone will make it uh, will make it worth uh, worth going along for the ride. And uh, uh, you know, people can people can come along with me. I guess. There you go. That was 25 seconds of sports coverage in our 45 minute conversation. That's right. That's right. <laughs> David, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. All right, boys.
That was David Beauclair, of course. It, it's all Titans is the website, but technically it's sportsillustrated.com, and you heard him explain the whole Maven Network thing. Athlon Sports, who I work for, is actually a part of that as well now. So um, it's, it is interesting what, what's happening in some of the digital landscapes. I, I, to me, Steve, the biggest concern and conversation and takeaway and the reason we wanted to talk with him was just this you know, I understand why the NFL is doing it. They're hiding behind sort of a, a, a an overabundance of health and medical con, you know caution here, but but really it's about controlling the narrative, right? <laughs> which is which is something that every other sports team in this market has done almost pre-pandemic, to be honest. And I, I, I don't know, it, I don't know whose who's, who, who's fault it's all going to be because the fans are to be blamed, the media is to be blamed, but the teams are to be blamed as well. And I, I just. You use the word nourish, and I think that's the right word. If, if we as sports fans are being malnourished right now, yeah, I, it doesn't matter how many different outlets you add covering the covering the NFL right now. There is going to be a sameness to a lot of that coverage. I, I think the smarter people are going to pivot and and do coverage in sort of different ways. Uh, you know, you're going to go to outlets like the Athletic uh, that are doing that are doing a lot of original, uh, a lot of original work, a lot of analysis, uh, a lot of film study, a lot of kind of breakdowns of of games because the traditional sort of beat coverage from covering a team day to day, week to week is going to have a sameness across the board. And I don't want to COVID COVID is definitely is definitely the reason for this in a year when please God, let us be done with this, with, <laughs> with this pandemic. But in a year, maybe things return to the, the way they were before, but that's, that's not, that's absolutely not a sure thing. And I, and I think that two years of doing this is going to embolden the NFL and, and yeah. anyone else to kind of, to kind of shut the media out. And the, the result is going to be you get less original coverage yep. a, a, as a consumer. Well, and, and it's funny, COVID was an accelerant, right, for so many different big things in our country. And controlling access and controlling the narrative and controlling your team's story that's being told outwardly is it was we were already sort of trending this direction anyway. Right. And some of that is the fans fault because it's, they, they can't handle criticism of their favorite team anymore which is just something that drives me completely insane. Um, some of it is the media's fault because as David pointed out, there are guardrails that we used to operate with. And now it's sort of just like, how, how fast can I get a tweet out to say, gotcha, you know, and that's not, that's not going to build trust with your subjects and that's not going to benefit your, your audience. It benefits you as a reporter and the teams don't see the need for, for their people to have original, you know, ideas <laughs> and stories out there. It's all about being on message. So it's not just the team's fault, but these things were happening anyway. And COVID has accelerated that. And I don't, I'm not joking around at the end of the interview when I said, look, I think what we are doing here on this podcast and what I'm doing at 440 Sports is to try to sort of push back on, on some of these market forces and say, look, is there still an appetite for people to actually take time with the things they care about and, and, and find a communal experience around something interesting. And so I, I don't, I, I don't know where, where this company is going to go. I, I know where I want it to go, but some of that depends on, on the fans responding to it as well. And so there's just all these big market forces at play that, that I think we've covered a lot on this show and, and hopefully people uh, kind of understand those forces a little bit better after listening to David talk. David touched on two something that I, I think is is a real tension within the coverage that you get these days on digital platforms, which is the tendency only to serve people what they want. Oh, and God, 
and I and I get it because that's the model that is that 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 is the digital model for free news. But there are limits to that, and particularly uh, you know on the sports side, the, there's less sort of accountability journalism than there is elsewhere. But but particularly on the news side you get less accountability journalism, you get less investigative journalism, you get, yeah, yeah. You get all, all of those sort of things but because you're only serving up what people will click on. And if, you know, if that's going to be the standard going forward, uh, that, that, that's, that's why you know, we talk about the athletic on here a lot. I, I think the athletics model is, is, is much more interesting in that it, it, guarantees me, it guarantees me original interesting content every single day because I'm paying for it. Yep. Uh, yep. And even and, and even the, the move within the athletic to do more sort of real time stuff is more about engagement and less about it's less about trying to trying to grab clicks from the outside. And, and we will talk about the athletic in just a second. But for example, on the Titans beat, and I'll, I'll be, uh, you know, kind of self-serving here because we're, I'm, I'm affiliated with Broadway Sports Media, but Justin Mello and Justin Graver, for example, the Music City Audible podcast, they have carved out a unique situation delivering sort of their own film study, scouting report, draft combine sort of information for Titans fans. And they're just, they're very down the middle. They see what they, they tell you exactly what they see and, and what they know. There's not going to be, you know, there's a place for, like we always talk about, there's a place for everything. There's a place for hot takes. There's a place for state run radio. There's a place for scouting reports. And I, I don't understand the, the desire to be fed happy thoughts about my team I, I i just i don't understand it i want to know everything there is to know about aaron Rodgers, the good and the bad and then i'll make up my own decision in my own mind about what i think about what he did this this offseason right like don't tell me the truth and the reality and i will decide i, I can handle a little negativity about my own team it's just i don't understand that that desire from fans i guess it makes life easier i don't know um i i, I certainly get it in the political spectrum. I understand that you build an echo chamber and that's what you believe. And I get it. But anyway, on to recommendations and speaking of the athletic, um, I'll start with the first one and you can, <laughs> you can go with the second one. Cause there's already <laughs> been multiple stories written about the fact that Bishop Sycamore, and this is the, the first title is uh, how Bishop Sycamore, the Washington generals of high school football conned ESPN. This is by Andy Staples and Ari Wasserman to, of the better college football writers in the business. They, they wrote a long story about this, this, this fabricated high school football program essentially played two football games on a Friday and a Sunday. One was televised by ESPN. And in the middle of the broadcast, Tom Luganville is like, we're really sorry. <laughs> like we, there, there are no division one players on this team. We were lied to about this essentially is what they're saying. Um, so the story continues to unfold and unravel and, so there's a lot of really great stuff on The Athletic. Again, the first one, How Bishop Sycamore, the Washington Generals of High School Football, conned ESPN. And then Andy and uh, Ari have already dropped another one after that. Yeah, the, the, the story I was going to recommend was, uh, same same guys, the headline is, Bishop Sycamore was supposed to be the IMG Academy of the Midwest. It ended up in a mess of unpaid bills and investigations. Uh, and in it, they sort of detail all sorts of of crap about this kind of fly-by-night high school. So what they were doing was they were enrolling the kids in an online charter school there in Columbus and letting them take classes online during the day. But you know their schedule was six thirty to eight workouts. You know practice from eight to nine, uh, and then and then shower and whatever else. A lot of these kids 
we're living in hotels or living in and, and not kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and living in a, a, an apartment that had a, an apartment that had an air mattress in it and a 55 inch TV. And, <laughs> you know, it preys on the, it preys on these kids desire to play D one football and to sort of kind of do anything that they can in order to get uh, in order to kind of get enough tape and film or, or whatever else out there for coaches to see it so they could go play college football. But Wow, it's a mess, and this and this this piece that uh, Staples and Wasserman have is just absolutely uh, just full of horrible anecdotes and and all sorts of nuggets about investigations that have been run in multiple states and kind of different iterations of this thing before it became Bishop Sycamore, and just yeah, it's a complete mess. And the one of the one of the things that that, that really kind of jumps out at you is there was an investigator from the from essentially the the Ohio version of the TWSAA who had been looking into these guys for a couple of years and said he had gotten absolutely nowhere. And then this thing happens on Twitter, blows up in the middle of the game. And he's like, of course this happened. (laughs) (laughs) Because again, if you read, if if you read the first one, it happened in 2018 first. And there was like, it it is a gonzo story. It's it's, insane. It's just, and it involves like like marketing people. It involves like all these, you know, again, in, in the first story. And again, I recommend reading the first one because it gives you kind of a layout of what actually happened and sort of the players involved. And then you can d- dive a little deeper with the second one. But basically, he said this. I'll read a quick little blurb of this, which is there was a coach who had now created two schools out of thin air and keeps leaving a trail of unpaid bills. There was a super team run by a conglomerate. There was a guy who orchestrates matchups on the side whose day job was VP of sales at Billboard. There was a marketing company president who was the first person to put LeBron and Tim Tebow on national television. And then there's ESPN as well. So there's all these different people. And I'm assuming, of course, all trying to make their own self-interested decisions about revenue. And in, and at the end of the day, there's a kid sleeping on an air mattress. You know what I mean? Like it just <laughs> It's just insane. So uh, absolutely go check out all those stories. And again, it's uh, really good stuff by Andy and Ari on the athletic all right anything else you'd like to add steve we good for this week i think we've done enough here i think we've done enough here uh go to jaspers of course because lamestream is brought to you by jaspers always brought to you by jaspers you know the drill at this point i don't know how many times i need to repeat myself it's the next evolution of the sports bar it's got great food it's got free parking great place to watch the game so go to jaspers over on west end uh it's fantastic it's legit it's awesome all those great things thank you to david beauclair where can people follow you steve they can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish if you really want to see some pictures of tomato plants or uh, ice cream parlors in Ooh. Cleveland, Ohio. You can follow me on Instagram at Scavendish. Braden, where can people find you? At Braden Gall on Twitter, at Braden D. Gall on Instagram. Follow the company, of course, at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook, uh, at 440 Media on Instagram. Please rate, review, subscribe, share the product, group text everyone in your phone, the link to the show. We do appreciate it. It will not be annoying at all. We promise. For Steve Cavendish, my name is Braden Gall. Special thanks to David Beauclair. Enjoy the first weekend of college football. And thank you for listening to Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.